kind of smile there at the end. I don't know if you noticed, but we actually even had a cricket singing along, which was really kind of cool. Even creation has the sense to say, let's worship God. This is good stuff, really good stuff. Uh, we're, we're switching things up a little bit. We're going to be collecting the offering in just a couple moments. So to get you prepared for that, on the inside of your folder is a card, and uh, we'd love for you to go ahead and put your name on that if you're here, which you're here. So put your name on that card. If it's your first time, put as much information on the card as you want. The backside gives you a chance to interact with us, and uh, one of the things that we're wanting to know is if you're a person who's been you know, kind of thinking about getting baptized last week, and you keep going, yeah, I should, I should, I should, today would be a good day to just put on the back, I need to get baptized next week. We'll contact you during the week, and, and we'll get that set up for you, but make sure you take advantage of that. Do that today so that we can talk to you this coming week, okay? So our servers are coming right now to receive the offering, and while they do, a few things to talk through with you. Like I said, next Sunday, special Sunday for us. We love this Sunday. So what we do, we only offer one service at 9 o'clock. So you're here at 9 o'clock, just do what you did this week. You're in good shape, okay? Show up at 9 o'clock, and we'll have one service, uh, child care and Southfield Kids will be offered just like normal. So all that will be going on. It's just us in here. And we're going to have a chance to kind of have a, a good family time together, talk about some things from the summer. Uh, we'll, we'll get a chance to be introduced to the people who are going to be getting baptized. Then we don't offer a second service. Instead, we head on over to Four Rivers for our baptism. If you don't know where that is, don't worry. We'll have a map provided for you next week as well as I promised you. There will just be kind of a monster caravan going in that direction. Village has also provided some signs in the area that say, uh, I think, Four Rivers EE Center on it or something like that. You follow those signs as you're going uh, west toward Morris and you'll be all set. So anyway... We'll be there for the baptisms, and um, we gather right down at the river. It's pretty obvious where we go. Just a beautiful setting. I mean, I can't think of too many places more beautiful to express your commitment to Christ than in that place. And then from there, uh, we have a picnic. And the picnic is a little bit dependent on you. We ask you to bring two dishes to pass, uh, preferably with food in them. So bring, bring some food along. You can decide what you want it to be. If you want it to be a dessert and a side or a main or whatever, you go ahead and do that. It's always fun to see what people bring. And uh, we'll make sure some of the other things are there, like plates and cups and drinks and all that kind of stuff. The one thing you will want to bring is a chair. Bring, a, bring something to sit on for you and your family. If your kids are younger, they might like just sitting on the ground or out on the grass. That's up to them. But uh, go ahead and take advantage of that. We're going to have a great time together next week celebrating the commitment these people are making uh, publicly to Christ. From there, uh, we want you to be aware that this is the week that you're getting signed up for groups. So group registration, you need to get that done. I think it's by September 18th, and that's when groups are starting off. I love this, I love this flyer, this catalog, so to speak, that we have this time. It offers you a couple of different kinds of groups. We're into next steps around here. Next steps means your next step. Not, not the one we prescribe, but your next step. Your next step may be, I've never, ever, 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 ever even done a group, tried a group, thought about doing a group. And so you need to try one. We have some groups literally that meet once, and they're done. And it gives you a chance to try it. Go ahead and try out a group, test drive it, see what it's like. We, ought, we have another group that literally goes from September to May, and everything in between. 
Uh, we have one for 20-somethings that are just, they're getting together once a month just to enjoy being together with some other people that actually love God. And, and you'd look through, I mean, there's just all kinds of great opportunities for women. We're doing the, the one-hour group again this year at 6.30 to 7.30 on Thursday mornings. I mean, 7.30 hits and we say, we're done, we're gone. And the curriculum is basically just based on what's going on in your life. So that's for guys foundations is one that I, I just encourage you, if, if you're a person that's really trying to work through those pieces of life, those, those commitments you have, those I will always, I will nevers, and you're looking and you're saying, you know what, that part of life isn't working out for me, that's a course that you want to check out. So just a lot of great opportunities. Make sure you read that through, and then you go online and register for one of them. And if you don't have online access, you know, you can call us at the church phone number. It's on your folder. You can email us at office at southfieldchurch.com. We'll make sure you get into a group, okay? So get signed up for those groups, and uh, we're going to have a great fall semester working together and growing together uh, in that context. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I want to say this morning, and what I'm going to do is save it for next week, okay? Because I'm going through, and I'm like, man, I'm going to take all the way through to 1030, just, you know, talking through all kinds of little stuff along the way. So, so come next week, got some good stuff to talk through, you, uh, talk through with you in terms of just stuff that's happened during the summer and, and where we're going here in the near future. Today, though, we're going to talk about living like you're called. I mean, how more appropriate than on Labor Day to talk about labor? to talk about work, to get a, a biblical Christian worldview on what it means to be a person who works. And, and I thought to start that uh, we'd, we'd watch, you know, I've been just spending a lot of time uh, studying and looking and gleaning and trying to figure out things for the coming year in terms of teaching. And I've come across some uh, video clips, some really serious and some downright silly. And this was one of my favorites. This was one of my favorites from the summer. Uh, I think this woman does a great job setting up our talk today about work and uh, the little bit of confusion that she has and the confusion that we might have over work as well. So check this out. All right, friends. Y'all know I pride myself in keeping it real, being really real with y'all. And I have to admit that I, from time to time in my life, have caused some drama. No one knows that better than my best friend. And this girl brought me something that has changed my life. Now, I know they say there's no such thing as a magic pill. There's not a pill that can fix anything. Y'all, they are wrong. I have discovered drama mine. I mean... I feel my drama coming on. I take this little pill, and my drama is contained. It's all mine. It stays right here. I don't share it anymore. I don't bring it to y'all on Facebook. And when I feel it coming on, I pop one of these little babies. Y'all see that? It treats symptoms on the spot. That means no more drama. You see that? If your drama happens on a boat, a plane, or in a car, it's okay. Just make sure you have your drama mind. Keep that stuff contained. Nobody wants your drama. I don't want your drama. Your friends don't want your drama. But you know what's great? Keep it on you at all times. Because your people that have drama, they need to know. Let's stop spreading the drama. Now you just pop this little pill. You're going to feel real relaxed. 
the drum was just gonna kind of go, just kind of settles down real fast. You might get a little sleepy. Take a little power nap. We all need more sleep. I mean, our nation is sleep deprived. So just keeping it real, y'all. Peace. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Don't you love her? She's fantastic. Uh, in case you're, you know, dramamine, dramamine, little bit of confusion, there's the same kind of confusion about work. You know, people, well, Labor Day, we celebrate what we do for a living, work, our jobs, our careers, our vocations, and, and there's confusion on the part of Christians as to what work is all about. We tend to think of work as the result of the fall. You know, we sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, and God said, that's it, I'm punishing you. From here forward, you have to work. And that's not really the way it worked out at all. You go back to Genesis 1.28, and here's what we read. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 1.28 happens two chapters before the fall. God said from the beginning, I want you to work. In fact, what does it call it? He calls work a blessing. He said he blessed them by actually saying, you get the privilege of working. What's the result of the fall? Well, the result of the fault is the fact that you hate work. The result of the fall is you hate Monday. The result of the fall is the toil and the sweat and the weeds and the problems and the miserable co-workers or you being miserable to them, that's the result of the fall. But the reality is God gave you work as a blessing, as an actual blessing. He wants you to be able to enjoy work, to be able to enjoy uh, your vocation. Now that last word, vocation, I love that word because I think even that's a misunderstood word. A lot of times people look at vocation as simply a synonym for job. But there's really something more beautiful embedded in the word vocation. A vocation is more than a job or something you do. It is a spiritual term rooted deeply in your being. What you do flows out of who you are. Your vocation is really about who you are on the inside. Not just the activity you take on in order to bring money into the house. It's about who you are and how that flows out. Now, here's a little by the way. This may be why so many people experience vocational dissatisfaction. There's a disconnect between their identity and their industry. There's a disconnect between who they are and what they do. And so they find themselves in frustration because they're like, this does not feel fulfilling. It doesn't feel fulfilling because you're not operating out of your design, out of who God made you. The reality is your vocation is your calling. God has called you, has a calling on your life, and he wants you to be able to live that calling out. Now, how do you discover your calling? How do you, think of the, how do you figure that out? Think through your life roles, the roles you have in life, both those you have now and those you might have in the future. So, you know, maybe you're 16 and you're going, someday I'll probably be married. Start thinking through the roles you have in life, uh, the roles you have in your family, the roles you might have in your neighborhood or your community, the roles you have in your job or your career, your role at church and the way that you volunteer in places, all the different roles that you have. You just start thinking through them. What are the roles God has given me to play out in this life? 
My calling, this calling that I have, is exposed through my roles. Roles expose our deepest and truest sense of call. So, you know, some of us will talk about our job and we'll throw in it as an aside, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a dad. Or some people will say apologetically, well, I don't have a job, I just stay at home. Are you kidding me? That's your calling. That's your calling. These are callings that God has given us, and God wants us to live out every aspect of our calling, not just the thing we do to go make a living. One of the books I looked at this summer and really enjoyed was by Gordon T. Smith. One of the reasons I liked it, really, really small, really, really short. I'm into, I'm into a book that I can finish in an hour and check it off and say, did that one, that one was good. But he does a great job talking about this idea of the call God has placed on our lives, living out our vocation. In fact, there are two key words on that cover that I don't want you to miss. He says six questions for discerning your vocation. And the two words are vocation, which we've already talked about, and discerning. Discerning is more than just decision-making. Discerning is really taking the time time to try to understand the desires and the heart of the Spirit of God. We're trying to understand what is it that God has called me to do. Not just what do I like or what do I feel like doing, but why has God put me here? And so he gives us six questions for working through that. And I want to look at those six questions, but I want to look at them in light of John 15. John 15, the passage that talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. Because I really believe that in that passage, we find a lot about our calling. We learn about our identity in Christ and how that identity flows out into what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. So the first question in his book is, what on earth is God doing? Now, he's not asking that in a despairing way. I know right now you're watching TV and you may be going, what in the world is God doing? No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're actually looking and asking, where is the activity of God present in this world? John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We are people that have been chosen by God to do something he's decided, he's determined, he wants us to do. God is doing things in this world, and he wants us to get involved in joining him in doing what he's doing. Right now, God is working all around you, all the time. I think that's what this summer series was about, right? There are open doors around us all the time. God is working all the time. Do we have spiritual eyes that are able to see the work of God taking place everywhere we are? Not just when we go punch the clock, but everywhere we are. You see, for a lot of us, what we need to experience is a shift in our prayers. Rather than asking God to bless what I'm doing or bless what I want to do, why not ask God to show you what he is doing and join him in his work? A lot of times we decide we're going to do something great for God. We've decided to take upon a project. Oh, God bless it. How about that shift? That shift that says God's doing something. And I want to join him in his work instead of just asking him to throw a blessing on mine. We don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. 
So the invitation of God's Spirit is coming to you all the time. He's inviting you. Get involved in my work. Here's something I'm doing right now. I need your hands. I need your feet. I want you involved in this. I need your heart in this. We we need to watch and see where God is at work and join him in his work. So as you're trying to determine your calling, the first question to be asking is, what on earth is God doing? Here's the second question that we need to ask. First, we turn our eyes to God. Now we need to turn our eyes inward. Who are you? Who are you? How are you wired? How are you designed? I'd like to just look at John 15 and see several things that God says about our identity. John 15, 4, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. What, do, what, is, what does that say to us in terms of our calling? We're not independent. We're not alone. You chop the branch off the vine and lay it on the ground, it will not produce fruit, it will die. Part of what this says about our identity is we are completely devoted and committed to Christ if we're called. And if we decide to detach ourselves from Christ, we're going to have a problem with our calling. John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. It says two things about our identity there. One, we're all supposed to be fruit bearers. We're all supposed to be doing great work for God. Not just the pastor, not just the person elected to do something. We're all to be doing great things for God. And then he goes on to say, that's the definition of a disciple. A Christ follower is a person who is producing much fruit all the time. John 15, 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. You know what this says about your identity and mine? We are loved by God. We're loved by God. I think for a lot of us, we look at our life and we wonder, is God punishing me, cursing me for something I did in my past? And God's saying, no, don't you get it? I love you. I love you so much I can't stand it. I want to burst. God loves us that way. John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You know what this is saying? We're supposed to enjoy life. Find joy in life. We're to be joyful people. For some of us, the second we punch that clock, our joy goes away until we leave the joint. It's supposed to be. We're supposed to be taking that joy everywhere. And part of knowing whether or not I'm where I'm supposed to be is what's going on in terms of this fulfillment and joy that God is giving me. John 15, 14, 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father I have made known to you. God is saying, you're my friend. Jesus is saying, you're my friend. You're not just my slave. You're not just my servant. You are actually a friend, a co-worker with me in this. And we already read this one, but I want to see it again. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We are chosen. God doesn't say, ah, man, why did I create her? What What am I supposed to do with him? He's kind of worthless. Every one of us has been created and chosen by God to produce fruit that will last. Now, if that who am I question is one, is one that's really weighing on you, I want to encourage you to sign up for conversation number two. It's on your sheet. We have four conversations that we do around here, four talks. One is about, you know, what's, what's uh, I almost said rock run. What's this place? What's Southfield all about? 
Um, one of them is about how am I wired. One of them is a, a one-on-one conversation to talk about how to get involved in ministry. And one is how to join the family, how to become a member. That second one, though, talks about your unique wiring, how God has made you. And I encourage you to get signed up for that. That is one of the, it's one of the funnest things. I love doing that as people get the chance to understand how they're wired and how that fits with their call. Let me give you the third one. The third question, what is your life stage? Where are you right now? Right now in life. For me, life stage, I'm at that life stage that a kid just got married, a kid just went to college, and a kid just started a career. There's a lot going on in this life stage right now that didn't happen 15 years ago and won't happen 15 years from now. What's going on in your life stage right now that is unique? Maybe your life stage involves uh, downsizing. You're you're starting to look at a a season in life that you're starting to depend more on other people. Maybe your life stage involves junior or senior year of high school, and you're starting to have to decide what in the world you're going to do after because mom and dad have been saying, 18, you're out. And so you're trying to figure out what happens next. By the way, we all say it. We don't mean it. But anyway... um, (laughs) Let's just talk through one reality and three observations that I've had as I've kind of looked at life. Here's, here's the reality. Where you are now, your life stage is where you're called to be. You're like, well, duh. I know. Sometimes I say duh things. But you know what? Where you are now is where you're called to be. And for a lot of us, we don't like where we are now. We can't wait till 10 minutes from now, or we'd love to go back 10 hours ago, but we don't like right now. God has called you to be here now. So you have three little drooling, screaming ankle biters. That's where God's called you here now. How are you supposed to live out that calling now? Some of you, you've got this, you got this male child in your family that is coming into 13 and 14. You're like, he used to be so cute. What do I do with this? Well, you're here now. Maybe you're 13 or 14 and you used to be so cute. And what are you supposed to do with this here now? God's called us where we are. Can you actually appreciate that life stage instead of longing for a different one? Three observations. Every life stage has a unique sense of call that can only be realized at that stage in that moment. I see this a lot with parents. You know, their kid hits their senior year and they go, I'm going to make up for all the lousy parenting I haven't done for the last 18 years. Good luck. Good luck. You can't re-preschool them. You can't re-third grade them. You have to live where you are now. Every life stage has a unique sense of call. Are you living into that right here, right now, in this moment? Second, we tend to resent the limitations of our life stage rather than leaning into their reality. We'll, We'll look at what's going on in this life stage and go, man, I hate this part. I think one stage that a lot of parents can't stand is what we would call the taxicab stage. You know, you are an official taxi driver. That's all you do with your life. You wake up in the morning, you drive them to school, you drive them home to school, you drive them to sport, you drive them to an activity, you drive them to church, which we love. You drive them to all this stuff, you know? And you're like, why in the world? I'm sick of this stage. I can't wait for this stage to be done. Oh my goodness, you have a unique calling during this stage you get alone time with your kid the thing you always whine that you want oh i wish my kid would want to be with me they're stuck with you in the car (laughs) so find ways to make that moment work 
what's going on at this life stage, that you can lean into the reality of this life stage. Too many live life, third one, peering down the road or lingering fondly in the rearview mirror rather than embracing their location on the journey. Would you stop wishing for tomorrow? Would you stop looking at the past and saying it used to be so good and say, I am here now. Where am I? Here now. Live out your calling where you are. So that's your life stage. How about this one? What are your circumstances? What are the circumstances of life right now? What, what, what are your life circumstances? Two verses that really help us with this. One, of course, is from Esther 4.14, where Mordecai says to his niece, who's, who's the queen, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? I don't know about you, but I look at the world right now. I often live, wish I lived 100 years ago. There's so much about now that I'm like, 100 years ago was so cool. Why can't I go back? And God keeps saying, I put you here now. What are the unique circumstances of now that you're here for just such a time as this? We have 1 Chronicles 12 where it talks about the men of Issachar. It said they understood the signs of their times and knew the best course for Israel to take. Are you able to look at the circumstances of your time and live into those circumstances? It involves naming our reality. You've got to name the reality around you. And in naming your reality, there are two aspects to that. What are my opportunities and what are my constraints? What are the areas that I have an opportunity to do something and what are the limitations that have been placed on my life? And as you're looking at opportunities and constraints, you, looked at, you have to look at both the real ones and the imagined ones. We have some imagined constraints that are not real. How often do you say, well, I just can't do that? Why? Well, you, uh, eh. yeah. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's not, that's, that's not a constraint. That's an excuse. And you're living in your head, and it's time to step out of that dark place and, you know, step into the light and have some fun. Naming our reality. What are our opportunities? What are our constraints? The fifth question is a tough question. What is the cross you will have to bear? You see, for a lot of us, when we're looking at these opportunities, we only want the fun ones. We only want the good stuff. Is it possible that God's calling on your life is to walk into some pain? To walk into some hardship? To walk into some tough times? I love what Gordon Smith says about uh, bearing, the, bearing our cross in, in his book. He says, our work is a participation in the work of God. So we have to ask the question, what on earth is God doing? But that then leads to the how question. How is God doing this work? And inevitably, that brings us to the cross of Christ Jesus. We come to see that the cross reflects not something incidental or secondary to the ways of God, but that it is a lens into the heart of our creator. By this I mean that the cross was not merely a clever means by which God could bring about the salvation of one and all. What must be appreciated is that the cross tells us something, or better, reveals something about the very nature and ways of God. God wants us through our calling to join in carrying a cross. Luke 9.23 said, if any of you wants to be my follower, just put your name on the card in the bulletin and we'll give you a free gift. No! If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Part of our calling is cross-bearing. 
part of our calling involves bearing the cross. So, so as we look at the cross, what does it look like? Well, for one thing, living for the sake of others. We don't like that, do we? Uh, who, who really wants to live for the sake of other people? Oh, we say it, it sounds nice, but in reality, we're hoping we get something out of this. Living for the sake of others. Living along the way of suffering. It is possible that your calling will actually lead to a form of suffering. And you know what a lot of us do then? I must have missed the call. I must have missed the call. No, not at all. It may very well be that that's a piece of the calling that God has on you. Living out of the call to sacrifice. That's part of carrying the cross. That my life is going to be a life of sacrifice for other people. This, this is the Christian gospel. You know, this, this isn't just a nice seminar on how to get the job you love. This, this is the Christian gospel. That our calling very well leads to carrying our cross, living for the sake of others, living along the way of suffering, and living out the call to sacrifice. Last question. This one's tough. What are you afraid of? It is quite possible that your calling lies in the thing you fear greatly. You were thinking, no, it's supposed to be happy and fun and sunshine, roses, lollipops, gumdrops. That, that's my calling. Anything I fear, that must be God saying no. Let's just go through some potential fears. I think one fear a lot of people have is the fear of missing it. Uh, you know, you're in college right now, they're saying, you, my, our college offers 1,700 majors. Pick one. <laughs> you don't do that to someone like me. You say, we have 1,700 majors and 1,699 of them are not being offered this year. Here's what you're going to do. I, I like that. But what's the, what's the chance that out of that long list, I'm going to pick one, I'm going to get three years in, I'm going to go, I don't like this. Or I'm going to get 10 years in and go, I don't think this is what I was supposed to do. We have a great fear of missing it. We, we have a great fear of never knowing for sure. You're, you know, you're, you're 45 years old and you're still going, what am I going to be when I grow up? I'm, I'm, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is it. We might never know for sure. We might not know until we get to heaven and, and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. We might not know until then that we actually lived out our calling. Missed moments and lost opportunities. I've done this one. I've thought back on, on earlier years and gone, man, if I'd have just gone uh, to that church while I was in seminary, if I'd have just taken that course, if I'd have just hooked, uh, gotten closer to that professor, if I'd have done these different things, imagine where my path might have gone. And we all do that. We look at these moments in the past and say, I think I missed a turn. Something went wrong there. How about the, re, the, the, the fear of return on investment? You know, you, you've been out of school for a few years. It's time to go for that master's, and you're looking at that master's, and it's going to cost you 30000 bucks. and your spouse is hearing it's going to cost 30000 bucks. and you're saying, but this is what I really want to do, I think. I, I, yeah, they, I know this is what I want to do, I'm pretty sure. And, and you know, you're kind of... And, and they're hearing that confidence, and they're going, yeah, why do, why do we save the money? And you just keep doing what you're doing. And we fear that we're going to invest a lot only to find out we didn't get the return that we wanted. What if I hate it? What if, I mean, what if Shelly's in her first year teaching junior high? I don't know about you. Does that sound like a calling? That sounds like hell. I mean, that just, <laughs> yuck. 
That's Hades on earth. Junior, I love you, junior hires, but really, come on. It smells, it's just, I mean, this is, <sighs> what can I say? You're thinking it. I mean, what if I hate this job? How about this one? What if they hate me? Guess what, teachers? Kids hate you. Seen the little drawings? Seen that smirk when you talk to them? I love watching shows with teachers now with Shelly because she gets all ramped and amped up. Kid on a show will make the face, and he goes, I hate that. She's like lost. She's forgotten the plot. She's all into this. Yeah, exactly. What if they hate me? We fear the unknown. I, I prayed this prayer. God, I will do anything as long as you tell me how it works out. He doesn't do that. Fear of inadequacy. What if I'm just not good enough? I mean, there are some big roles in this world to be filled. For me, I remember as a pastor going, I'm going to have to do a funeral. What in the world do you say to a family who's just lost a baby? What do you say? Uh, I was so afraid of the inadequacy that was going to come in that moment. Fear of failure. I'm going to go through all this and bomb. Fear of success. I'm going to do all this and I'm going to be so good that my life's going to be a mess. Listening to somebody recently who said, you know, I actually had a nervous breakdown last year. And I'm suspicious a lot of it was based on the success he's experienced in life. We have a lot of fears. I love this from the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. He says, will God ever ask you to do something you're not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit work within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. One of my favorite verses, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is all about our calling. This is all about our identity. Jesus is saying, you cannot live out your calling independently. If you try to, you will do nothing. And so really discovering our calling comes back to digging into our relationship with God growing closer and closer in our relationship with God. And it is as we realize more and more of God that we start realizing more and more of the calling that he's placed on us in our lives. How in the world will we have an idea of what God's doing in the world if we do not know God? And so knowing our calling has more to do with knowing God than anything else. So I got a little homework for you this week. I've got a sheet for you that I'll be standing at the door handing out. And you can take it if you want, or you can walk on by. It's up to you. But I'd love for you to just sit with John 15, 1 to 17 this week. Read this passage about the vine and the branches. Read it through and hear what it says about you, who God calls you. Hear what it says about what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. Reflect on the six questions we talked about today. They're on the sheet. Don't worry, you don't have to remember them. Live in this reality. Just walk into work this week and go, right now, God is working all around me. Live in that reality. What does that look like? Where is God in this place right now? How is God at work here? 
and ask him to reveal the open doors. If you don't know what an open door is, listen to the last six sermons on the podcast. God has open doors for you all the time. Are you going to walk through them or not? And so we get the privilege of living like we're called. Now, this is the way we're going to end today. We're going to move into communion, but I want communion to be an act of spend a moment encountering Christ and then go walk into the world. So we're not going to have a a concluding prayer or anything like that. We're going to spend a couple of moments in reflection, and then we're going to have some music playing, and you can sit here as long as you want, or you can go immediately. It's up to you. But as you do, I want you to encounter Christ, and as you do, think about him and his calling on your life. What's going on there? Could you put up that prayer for me? This is for our time of reflection today. I love this prayer. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. Love this line. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. So we'll leave that on the screen for our time of reflection. Read through that. Maybe find a line that resonates with this conversation about calling. And then we're going to play the song that we started with today. I love this song as it talks about who I really am. I'm not a slave. I'm a child of God. Enjoy that identity that Christ has given you. And as you're walking out today, again, you're going to take communion and you're going to walk out the door to go find that calling and live out that calling. I'll be standing at the door with the sheets if you want one of those. And if you don't, just pass on by. You can sit here as long as you want or you can head out the door. It's up to you. Live like you're called. Live like you're called. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have come. I'm no longer a slave to fear.
Chosen me. 